Going once, going twice, sold. You're listening to The Property Pod, an accessible and easy way to get into or help understand the goings-on of the property market. Join Aaron, John and Pat as they discuss all things real estate, most likely get sidetracked and then try and rein it all back in as they present The Property Pod. That's right, we're back with The Property Pod and it's very exciting. We've been uh, riding high on our fame for the last few weeks, which we do need to get over, but We'll bring it up one last time and, and this will be the end of it. Uh, have you got your coat over there? Where's that? Where, the, where, those, uh, where those pimp coats, guys? Let's put it back on. Yeah, I thought it's been so cold this week, but Pat didn't want to wear his pimp coat. He's, <laughs> no, not this week. He's a bit shy. He's fallen back into his <laughs> old uh, regular routine. Uh, we did say that you took the heat for one episode, for the, so the next six months is on me. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> um, the only reason I wanted to bring back up the obviously fame slash news article from a week ago is because we mm. now have stats as to how the show's been performing over the last eight days. Yeah, mm. you love your stats. Oh, and it's been crazy. Like the amount of people that picked up the show in the last week, week and a half is unbelievable. Worked out at about 30 times more listeners to what we were getting before that newspaper article went out there. It sounds pretty cool when you put it that way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no. <laughs> it works out at like a hundred. <laughs> but hey. Hey, look. I, it sounds hey, better when you say it the other we're way. We're salespeople. It's all he still, right? <laughs> look, when we started this, we all said that if we got five people to listen that, that we didn't know, enough. we'd be onto it. Yep. And I think we've achieved our goal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, I'm stoked. I yeah. think it's awesome. So let's crank out the goblets and let's just <laughs> yeah. ride it home. All the way. The other two really cool things is um, it's been really good to see a heap of old school friends reach out and say hello. And mm. uh, we had a really good uh, chat on Facebook the other day with one of our mates, Aaron, who we all know from school. So yeah. if you're listening to this episode, Aaron, there's your shout out. Mm. Um, and he was like really positive about the show and so have a lot of people, which has been really good. But yeah, no, I've, I've had... Um, like cousins and and people I know from all around Australia as well. So not just Tassie, but other people have either seen the article or seen us pumping it on or spruiking well, it on Facebook. And Sarah that we had on a couple of weeks ago. Sarah uh, was spruiking us up. Yeah, her husband found the article in the Mercury's newspaper and they're in Queensland. So oh, that's it. Nothing to do with Hobart and she had no idea it was even there. So it's pretty cool that it's sort of getting that sort of reach, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I did put the quiet word on Aaron to come and join the show. So we'll just keep just keep massaging him. <laughs> well, I said if I was ever away, he could slot into yeah, the Aaron seat. Yeah, for it. And yeah, I yeah. think he, he's got the charisma to, to pull it off. Yeah, so. it'd be awesome. Well, we don't have to redo the intro, so. There you go. No, exactly. exactly right. Boom. Works fine. <laughs> um, but the best thing that probably came out of the last week was a lady that actually emailed me yesterday. It was uh, really interesting. She happened to listen to last week's episode with Blake where we were talking about investment, buying and rent vesting. Mm. And she actually found my email online, sent me an email with about 10, 15 questions all about rent vesting. How do I get into it? What is it? What's the benefits? And that's really cool that she found the episode, really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it, but then had a heap of follow-on questions. Mm. So it's great to see that there is actually people that aren't friends, family, old relatives that are actually getting some real good information out of it as well. Well, I guess it goes to show that there might not be as easy a resource as we think. Um, if you really, you know, starting from day one, what what do you do? And the thought that came to mind bef- that, that after Blake's conversation is that one thing that really helps in this process is building a really good team around you. Oh, Cause definitely. Because no- normally it's just like, oh, I just jump on the net and see where I go. But if you go, like, what do you do when you start? Well, what, you know, find a good broker, find a good find a solicitor, find a real estate agent, find it, you know, it, like, and build a team as you as then find your account and get it all your ducks lined up so then you can really go. You know, all in in a in a really confident way, kind of in like a flying V formation. Hundred percent. I could, yeah, mighty ducks, baby. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. (laughs) 
uh, Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Ducks guy. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> so, I, but that was there was some really good, really good questions that made me thought. Well, you know, hopefully then with this bringing in the guests that we're getting, like there's a framework then for you to start. We're showing you how to start building a great team if you're wanting to either just buy your first home or. Yeah, of course, expanding portfolio. This sounds like the perfect time to segue oh, into our guest, isn't it? Hundred percent. So you want to take us to a few episodes, but but the uh, segues are coming in strong. But before, we gotta, before we go, I do want to just a quick shout out to my mate Killer. You'll know who I'm talking about. All right, right. cool. <laughs> well, let's cut to an ad, and then we'll bring our guest in, eh? Oh yeah. Four One Four Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006. With their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property. They have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. Alrighty, not only is Johnny Mac strong in his Segway game, but he's strong in his guest game. He's finally uh, pulled through and he's brought in a, uh, a guest for us today. We've got Andrew Leggett from Rams in with us. How are you, Andrew? Good, mate. How's it going, guys? Yeah, yeah, really good. We, uh, we're excited to have someone here and, and John vouches for you. And, and what people... Might not know. I don't know if the rest of the table know, but way back when me and Andrew used to uh, catch the same school bus together. Dead set. We did. Dead set. So we did. D- separate schools uh, and we'd meet at the Springfield bus interchange. We'd sit in the little interchange there and and there was Leggett and there was me and Simon Dayton, who you mentioned before. 100%, yeah. And we'd, uh, yeah, we'd all just chill and, and we'd meet. We'd all head up West Moon away and... But yeah, so and that just shows how small Hobart is. And I just thought that'd be a nice way to <laughs> to, to start it all off and and say, Andrew, it's very uh, very good to see you again. Excellent. Yes. Are you uh, still catching mate. the bus? Not as much as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into the investment game? Well, it's uh, the story's not too dissimilar to Patty and yourself, John. Mm. Involved in a family business, so I'm a franchise principal with Rams Home Loans, which, yeah, it's a family business that uh, my father started uh, six years ago. I've now been the franchise principal for about 18 months. Yep. Um, and yeah, yeah, so a bit of experience. I've written a few loans now. Uh, dealt with a lot of owner-occupiers, a lot of investors, a lot of self-employed people. What were you doing before the 18-month period or you were with the company well, I took a very, very um, different career path, so I needed something different. I came from a drafting background, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, so structural steelwork, uh, which actually morphed into residential dra- drafting. Mm. So I was a um, building designer for quite a while before I got into the finance game. So yep. and that has helped, actually, with a lot of sort of people looking to build. And I can You have the understanding and that background knowledge of, yeah. of what you need to, to do that. That's right. Yeah, you never realise what your past experience is going to have for you in the future. Just you, I remember there was, this is just a story I heard once, but welcome all of life's experiences because you never know which is going to turn it all on. And what I sort of took to that was that when you pivot in your career, you think, oh, Jesus, that was a waste of time. But it never it never is. No. Oh, you learn from every experience. Yeah, and you, exactly. You gain greater knowledge, whether it was a loss or win or a fail. So yeah, yeah, yeah I guess exactly. in the real estate game, you guys are having wins and losses all the time and you'll work out which, which works, which doesn't work. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. No, well, th- thanks for coming on, mate. Because, I mean, the last um, last couple of episodes, and one thing we wanted to do with this podcast is just to really start to give a foundational work like we're talking about for people that are wanting to understand the market. Yeah, of course. And so I suppose then starting off the bat, from from day one, if someone's looking to purchase a home, now why would they look to engage a broker? When do you guys sort of come into the fray? 
Oh, look, I think it's really important that uh, first home buyers have a chat with a broker or their, their local bank before they really even start looking at property. We've come across a lot of people that haven't got their ducks in a line prior to... Quack, quack, quack. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> prior to buying something, they come into the office, they've got their contract of sale, subject to finance, and you just think you're 12 months away, mm. 18 months in some cases. So I've always just sort of thought, get them in before they actually start looking at property and so we can look at what's what and get them on the right path yeah 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 so is there something that they should bring to that first meeting with you like for us we always have purchases that tell us oh it's a bank's fault they couldn't get it done in 21 days where personally i quite often think it's a purchaser not necessarily taking the right information with them to that initial meeting or with that first consultation so yeah is there a framework of things they should be bringing with them to streamline the process of course pay slips goes without saying we need to know what people are earning if they're self-employed we need their financials Mm. We need their savings statements, liability statements, so personal loans, credit cards and identification. That's a big one at the moment. If yep. you come along without your driver's licence, there's not a lot we can really do to get the ball rolling. Really? It's, just, it's like you've got to just have that ID before you even start the conversation. Oh, look, the, the first thing we check is credit history. Yeah, and okay. that's the, the major one thing with the banks at the moment is, is your loan conduct mm. with your current facilities and what you've been like in the past if you've got uh, you know, court judgments or defaults we need to check that uh, and to do that we need to identify a customer yeah fair enough so yeah. you know like i suppose we play out this scenario i'm a i'm a first home buyer I'm, i've just thought i want to buy a house and i'm like and then i've gone look go speak to go speak to andrew what's the conversation you're having with that person it's like mate what do i need to do all right so when i have my preliminary conversation with someone uh when we do our fact find so we find out what they're wanting to do are they looking to buy an investment property they're looking to buy an owner-occupier. Does that make a difference? Sorry to cut in there. No, that's mm. all right. Uh, yeah, so LVRs, so loan-to-value ratios, they differ a little bit between owner-occupiers and investment. So you'll find with an investment loan, most banks will sort of go to a maximum LVR of 90%, including the mortgage insurance premium. Owner-occupiers, generally speaking, 95 including mortgage insurance premium, is the maximum. There are other lenders out there that will go higher, but, yeah, we sort of plan for 95 including that mortgage insurance premium that's a good place to start so what, what do you mean by loan to value ratio what does that mean to um, a, a home buyer okay so the loan to value ratio is the amount of funds that you're lending the loan against what the property is worth so let's say we borrow a hundred thousand dollars the property's worth two hundred thousand our lvr is fifty percent Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's when you say with investment loan, you um, you might not be able to borrow up as far, like 90% versus 95%, for example. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Uh, mortgage insurance uh, is applicable when someone borrows more than 80% of what a property is worth. Right. And the mortgage lenders insurance, who does who does that protect? Protects the bank. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blunt. And, oh, look, it is. And I'm always blunt with it. A lot of people have, have often um, thought to themselves that it's protection for them, like mm. loan protection. No, it, it's 100% protection for the bank. So it's ensuring that if the bank needs to repossess the house, they can sell it at a loss and still get out of trouble. Yes. Effectively is what it 100% does. 100% correct. Yep. Cool. I had a side question. It's going back a little bit in the conversation now, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. Yeah, sure. When you quickly spoke about credit checks, the first thing that you go and do for a purchaser, mm-hmm. I want to give two scenarios and then tell me how it works. Yep. So say I've got myself, I'm looking to buy my first home. I've never had a credit card. I've paid cash my entire life for everything, but I've shown a good history mm-hmm. of being able to do everything within life. But plan B or option B is I've had a credit card and I've used it, but I've always paid it off. So... I'm building that credit history. 
is that better to have that credit history with the use of a credit card that's been paid off constantly versus someone that's always paid cash for everything? It varies from lender to lender and there has been some changes in it recently with um, credit reporting. So now if you don't pay your credit card on time, it actually reflects now on your credit report each mm-hmm. month. It'll sh- it'll show whether it was paid on time if it's in arrears. Uh, that now does come into play with a uh, credit assessment. They'll ask the question, why wasn't August paid? Oh, so even if you've got like a minimum payment of 20 bucks, you don't pay it, that'll tick onto your record. It will now. Oh, wowzers. Yes. Jesus. Yep. Aaron's like, man, I'm glad I got my loan. <laughs> hey, we're, we're all bringing up our accounts just to double check. Yeah. Now, oh, damn. A few years ago, um, a lot of banks were credit scoring. So they were just basing it on the on the score on the individual's credit report. Now, if you have never had any credit whatsoever, you, you didn't really have a credit score. Yep. Um, and mm. so a lot of people were finding it difficult to obtain their first home loans because they just didn't have the credit score on their report. So difference with rams was that we've we've never credit scored yep uh we've actually looked at the individual um and i mean if, it, if there's a low score but clear credit as in no no ju- uh, defaults or judgments you know play on yep so that now uh, but going back to pat's example then so um whereas someone who's had a credit card and paid it off religiously versus someone who's just paid cash and you know has obviously been extremely disciplined with their money but had no history um is that like can that there is a negative if they don't have any history now? Not so much a negative if they've got the perfect conduct. So if they've paid their card religiously every month, no issues. No different to someone who uses cash. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Because um, I suppose there's that um, element where if, um, that concern might be where you said with that credit score, if you know, the bank legitimately has no history, it's like, well, who are you? Go go start spending some money for six months. Then yeah, I guess I was yeah. curious to see mm. was it better to actually use a credit card to build that history and that score? Yeah. So I thought maybe it might have been a disadvantage to actually use cash all the time. Mm. No, you're saying it's probably much and much less these it, days. Yeah, it's marginal. Yep. yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So then, so we're, we're back. We're back to the. Um, we're, um, we're sitting. Here, we're obviously looking to buy a house. Um, you're asking us, are you buying an investment or a first home? So then, if if we're looking to to go in both paths, what uh, does the information that you're looking for change? Oh, it does a little bit. So when I find out if they're buying the investment or an owner-occupier, that triggers me to sort of think, how much money have they got? What have they got in the bank and what are they going to be uh, putting in? Yep. That The deposit changes. We need to put more deposit in on an investment loan because we can't lend as much. Yep, quite simply, yeah. Yep, that's right. Now, for an owner-occupier, you're looking at putting in about 7 8%. Um, as a deposit and then that gives us the margin and the room to apply the mortgage insurance premium onto that loan mm-hmm. which takes you up to that 95 percent okay okay yeah. gotcha so that <clears throat> so in in numbers um so if you're buying a house for what's an easy you you've given you numbers mate what's easy for you all right let's look at um purchase of four hundred thousand dollars for an owner occupier um you'd be building in about thirty two thousand uh, dollars which is eight percent and then that gives us the wiggle room to capitalise the mortgage insurance premium mm-hmm. um, and take it up to a 95% loan on, on a $400,000 purchase. So what's 8% of four hundred grand? nearly, what, 32000 did you say? 32, yep. Yep, yep, okay, cool. Um, so then, um, but so then with inv- um, so with investment, then um, you need nearly close to fifty. Fifty two. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Good with numbers. Good mate. quick math. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You like so that? Um, who is the <laughs> quick math? <laughs> um, Rain Man. No, no, no. I'm thinking of the the, the man's not hot guy. You know the 
the rapper that was on Triple J a few years back. It was Man's Not Hot. Oh, really? Quick math. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. I'll, I'll, I'll just. I'm so. I'm, I'm so uncool at the moment. Rain Man was. Rain he was good at math <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I guess then. So that. Um, now the other thing too. Um, now, do different areas that you're looking to purchase a property have an effect on those percentages at all? Oh, look, they can. Um, sort of regional areas, uh, mortgage insurers might say, well, the maximum we'll look at, even if it's owner-occupier, um, it will be 95%. Mm-hmm. In some cases, there's just not going to be comparable sales in the valuation report. Um, and a lender might say the maximum will go to as uh, an eighty percent, so it might be a rural property that's you know quite quite a large property, mm-hmm. and there's just been not much activity in the area. Um, they might yeah cut cut it back to an eighty percenter. Gotcha. And th- and those comparable sales, why uh, that example is important because if you're buying a in a in a suburban town uh, or urban city, there's like in the last six months they've got fifty other sales to compare to. They buy the house for four hundred, and the valuer can go, "Yep, four hundred makes sense." Correct. But if you're buying in a regional area, there's been only three sales, and they're all completely different properties. The valuer can't give a high confidence rating on that valuation, so the bank has to build in a bit more risk, um, you know, sort of risk risk management, which means that you have to come to the party with a bigger deposit. That's it. Yep. Exactly okay. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, so then, um, with the um, with the person, then they've you, they've had the discussion with you. You've asked them, okay, how much deposit do you have? Um, they've given you the ID. What's sort of the next? What's the ne- they've given you the story? What then are you asking from that person? Um, so, looking at their full financial position, making sure that they've got the capacity to repay the loan. Yep. Uh, they meet their criteria, and then that's where we give them some options. And so, this is what your repayments might look like. You know, over twenty five years, over thirty years different products, fixed rates, variable rates. Uh, then if the client's happy to proceed, we take we go to the next stage, which is a formal application. Yeah, gotcha. And do you find that there are a lot of clients reluctant to give um, their situation? Or by the time they get to you, they're like, no, nah, I just really want to do what, do what I need to do? Yeah, by the, by the time they can't sort of come through, they're in, a, they're in go mode and mm. they know they've got you know, 14, 21 days to get finance sorted. Yeah, cool. Um, so I think that's the, that's the fourth thing. Fourth so, on timing then, how long should it take to get a loan all done and dusted, so yeah. to speak? Okay, so I sort of always sort of think between seven and the 14 days. Um, if we can deliver less than seven, which we can, uh, depending on what's ha- happening up with our head office, um, we, you know, we've delivered a really good experience, haven't we? Mm. Uh, but 14 days I think is, is good. Um, I think the standard though with you guys is 21 we only make 21. it 21 because no one seems to get it done in 14, but lately they don't seem to get it done in 21 either. So, <laughs> yeah. And they always go back to blaming the finance or the bank or whatever mm. it may be, but half the time I think it's they just don't act on it quick enough. Yeah. If the broker sort of sits around and, and, and takes their time with it or there might be a delay with the, with the valuer, um, but generally speaking valuations are just flying at the moment. Yeah, right. We'll book them in. They're in the property the following day, and the report is in the hand a few hours after they've inspected the property. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that um, now just going back to so when you say formal application, that means a person, a client, has secured a contract on the property, or is that just organising what they call pre-approval? Uh, either. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So someone could come to me wanting to get into the market. Uh, they might not have looked at a property. What we'll do is a, is a pre-approval, and not a pre-approval where a, br- a branch manager says, "Oh, you tick the criteria, you're good to go." Mm. We will actually lodge a formal application through to our head office, 
um, and obtain a condi- a, an approval in principle subject to, and it will list out the conditions. Might just be um, a refresh pay slip, um, front page of the contract of sale, and an acceptable valuation on the property. Yeah, cool. So if we've got that in that instance, I've gone, I've, I've found out a way of securing a property, and because ninety nine percent of the work's done, you're like, right, as we said, get us a valuation, get us an updated pay slip, and what was the last one? I've forgotten already. Sorry, <laughs> the other third uh, one. But the first page of the contract. Uh, contract, yeah, contract, contract value, yeah. That's it, yeah. So maybe, and, and, and maybe then, a pay slip, yeah. And, and that's how they can help speed up that process. Well, mm. yeah, if they if they come through conditionally approved, um, you know, and they've got 14-day finance clause, we well, can turn that around pretty quick. Yeah. Because yeah, all, cool. all we're waiting on then is the valuation. Well, that'd be uh, – then um, – so it, what a question I suppose would be curious is it what is the difference between seeing your bank – like going to a bank directly or visiting a broker. Like, what what's the difference there? Why would one person choose one over the other, for example? All right. So if you go and visit your bank, and for whatever reason you don't meet their lending criteria, mm-hmm. the the finance manager is going to say, "Sorry, I can't help." Right, and that's it. That's it. That's the end of the the um, conversation. It's finished. Okay. Whereas with your broker, they're going to say, "Okay, we're thinking we'll put you with Rams." Um, or no, there's an issue here, but I know this lender over here is going to look at it, so we can sort of send you down the right bigger, path. Yeah, look at a bigger mm. picture, look so at all the options. Opens up a bit more flexibility to kind of cater to everyone's needs rather than having a stringent That's list right. of you don't hit the mark. See you later, alligator. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, kick you out the door. Yeah, yep. yep. No, um, do not pass go. Like do not collect your two hundred dollars. Yeah, nice, nice no, $200. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legitimately. Well then, so we've gone, now we're back at the process then, we've said, um, we've gone the formal application, we've secured that property, um, So and then we're, now we're talking about the difference between a, a bank and a broker. So one of the questions that with the, um, the one of the listeners that we had was, um, the spe- their specific situation is they're um, studying, in, um, studying in Launceston at the moment, and they're obviously wanting to purchase a home, and really curious about this idea of rent vesting like a previous um, guest, Blake had on so mm-hmm. where if what, what sort of in, from a broker's perspective or even your experience like um, what do you think of that idea of rent vesting and how is it any harder for um, people to secure loans on that basis? I wouldn't say that it's harder for someone to obtain a home loan if they were looking to rent vest. Um, it's an interesting idea. I don't think it really gained too much traction down here in Tassie. Mm. Um, I mean for instance you could buy a $400,000 property out at Claremont um, and live in it and your repayments are going to be pretty much the same as what it would be if you were renting that property. Mm, mm-hmm. So there's no real financial gain, whereas the idea of rent vesting is to live where you want to live and to buy where you can afford. Mm. And so we're talking about markets like in Sydney where prices uh, prices fluctuate so much the further you get away from the city. So you could buy an investment property away from the city but then still live close to the city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, in this this instance um, up north, it might be a case if they're studying and they know they're going to move into state in six or 12 months. Mm-hmm. So rent vesting might be a, a good idea for them. Yeah, gotcha. And so then, but in terms of um, applying for that loan and structuring, that you're basically following the same process. Get your deposit organised and then... Once, once you know, tell the story, and then again, your broker is going to be assessing your financial situation and advising whether or not that can be an option for you. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Well, I know well, one thing I suppose about that idea, where it's not as um, prevalent in Tassie, it makes sense because the average gross yield in the area, you know, for, especially in these northern suburbs, would be like sort of anywhere from five to seven percent. 
Whereas in Sydney, your you know, return on your investment is only like 2%. So then in order to purchase a house, you're paying a million bucks, but then renting it is you know, incredibly smaller, mm. so much smaller versus the purchase price. So I guess that makes sense as to why in Tassie there's always that, well, buying and renting can almost sort of be the same situation. It's almost the same, yeah. yeah. I mean, buying, yes, the repayment might be the, very much the same as what it is renting, but then you are, of course, up for additional costs, your rates, your water. Yeah, yeah, because I think you'd mentioned before you had someone that you know is going through that process now or, or considering what they wanted to do. Yeah, so it wasn't so much a case of rent vesting. So this guy was still living at home. Uh, he purchased a home um, that he thought he was going to live in, mm. never ended up living in it. Couldn't He just didn't have the heart to uh, kick the tenant out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. the, the tenant actually stayed in. It just battered their eyelids a bit, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. What that actually – what that triggered was growth and equity. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave him the ability to buy a second property and it was the same story. Couldn't get rid of the tenant. The tenant's still in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's third, only just been... Third time lucky. <laughs> and th- yeah, yeah. No, third time lucky. Uh, he finally purchased the property. Um, it, was it wasn't an investment property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and he's moved yeah. into that one. Oh, good. Yeah. So I like he, a good news story. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And he, he was living with his but parents the whole he time. Was a, yeah, so he was, he was still at home <laughs> with mum and dad. Um, mum and dad are thinking, God, he's finally got the money again. Oh, Far out. Yep. Yeah. No, they just wondered why he was sitting in this room with a big fur coat on and a goblet. And just like, I'm such a badass investor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then knock, knock, knock. Dinner's ready. Mom, where's my meatloaf? Mom, the meatloaf. Actually, my dad had this story of a client of his where her son had followed him around at all his properties. <laughs> And she'd, she'd asked uh, Dad to, to sell it and find her a new place, like only a one bedroom. And he was taking her through, everything was done. And right the, you know, uh, during the settlement period, and then the sons looked at her mum and said, Oh, mum, um, where's, where's, where's my room? And then, of course, she just looked him square in the face and said, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, then, so she had to just downsize to kick a son out. <laughs> Holy oh, really? yeah. Uh, actually, well, um, that is classic stepbrother's story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, so then um, it, going back to our listener's question then um, where she's uh, – the, the question also she had too is she's concerned that she might miss out on the, the first-time buyer incentives and whether or not, um, I suppose, is that worth changing a situation? Like what really is the value of trying to utilise those incentives and is it okay just to walk away if your situation doesn't suit it? Oh, that's a, that's a real tough question. Um, yes, there are a lot of incentives out there at the moment and I think they come into play when someone sort of have done it hard and they've saved their 5 to 8%. They've got a deposit that don't have enough to pay for their stamp duty, their legal fees and their government charges. Mm. So It's all those things you don't think about when you squirrel away this money mm. and then it's like, oh, actually, no, double that or I need so much more to cover those extra little costs. Exactly. I know that was something when I was looking to buy... I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. And then speaking to these guys in the office, I'm like, nah, mate, you're, you're a little bit off just yet. And as you said before, 12 to 18 months off, and that's probably a bit where I was at. Yep. So, yeah, definitely uh, something that you need to think about. Geez, that would have been a bit of a punch in the gut too, was it? No, well, luckily that's when me and my partner had discussed that maybe it was worthwhile we look into getting a place together. We probably weren't in the place to... Oh, yeah. Um, do it individually and everything was going really well and and she's like oh well we both got the same goal mm. and then that's actually what got us our place and yeah we're very lucky that we've we've landed on that yeah yeah actually there, there's an interesting question then so we've only been talking about an individual how does it how's the dynamic change when t- two people are applying for a loan um when in what aspect uh well 
suppose I guess imagine if I had really mm. bad credit history because I hadn't paid my $20 off last August on my credit card. Mm. But she mm. was very, very – she, he, them, they, all of them. All of them. Yep. Squeaky were, clean. Yeah, <laughs> we're squeaky clean as clean as a whistle. Oh, it's it's tough because if it's if it's bad impairment, odds are they decline the whole thing overall. Now, when when you when you say bad impairment, you just mean it's just you've just got a bad credit history, yeah, like, bad. Or, or a significant one that's like a huge red flag for the bank. Yeah, so like a default. There you go. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so <laughs> default on your credit card, car payment, you name it. Yep. Yeah. Some people sort of think that if they've missed a payment, they've they've defaulted. That's not the case. A default is when you've missed lots of payments mm. and the financier said, no, nope, that's enough. Pay us out the balance, the whole thing. It's, the contract's finished, null and void. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that it's that sort of default that will squash a deal. And then in that case, you know, if you're a couple looking to buy, one person just can't be on the loan. You've got to find an alternative. That's right, yeah. yeah okay. Look at a different way of structuring it. Yeah, gotcha. So it can both enhance the situation. Well, actually, what about then if you've got um, two people in a good situation? That just increases their borrowing capacity or – Yeah, quite that's simply? right. So it just it becomes a stronger scenario on paper. Yeah, okay. And that's what happened with you as a – like it was – Yeah, we basically joined team and we're like the Avengers. So we Sweet. just supersized it all up and, and we're kicking butt now. Yeah, I'm thinking even like uh, the Monty Morphin Power Rangers or, oh, or Voltron. Yeah, like yeah when they <laughs> – into the yeah. Megazord. That's it, yeah. Bam. That's how, that's how, you, that's how you borrow for property, guys. Megazord. The Megazord process. Megazord process. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was terrible. <laughs> Should have stopped at the Avengers. Because yeah. all I'm thinking is Aaron is rocket yeah. to run in the rain. <laughs> I am Groot. Um, so then, um, so to, to, to bring this, this scenario back around then, so now the loan's approved, we've secured our property, we've, um, now we're stepping into the process of wanting, I've got a home, now we want to look at purchasing our first investment property. Sure. And what's is the process going to look any different than the first time around when I met you when I was green and getting my first house? No, not too dissimilar. Still the same sort of process, credit assessment, application, although this time we're not going to be looking at the savings, generally speaking. Okay. Um, we'll be getting their, their property revalued and seeing if we've got the equity there oh, to, yep. to fund the new one. Yeah, so you, so ideally then um, you're drawing from the equity in your existing place of residence mm-hmm. rather than having to have all that cash available. Exactly right. Yep, yep, yep. And do brokers give advice as to structuring of loans or anything like that as well or is that then back onto an accountant and a bank? No, that's, that's more financial planning and accounting. It's not something that we should really be advising. Yeah, good. So it's that case where knowing a guest who which expert you're matching yourself with in your process is important. And because I always think sometimes it's got to be careful about who you speak with, where they try and overstep their boundary, if that sort of makes sense. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because they're trying to they might be pushing a product or selling something that might not be in the client's best interests. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I mean, if you if you're looking at buying an investment property, that's that's the trigger. Get an accountant. Get some advice. Find out how an accountant would want to see that loan structured if we were what, what would be your ideal client you know like if, if, if the process was going to run as smoothly as it possibly could mm-hmm. what are we doing um well there's no such thing as a smooth client <laughs> <laughs> good to know good yep. to know oh no, no every now and then you'll get someone who's absolutely squeaky clean where they've, they've held their employment for you know years Mm. they've never missed a payment on the credit cards paid off in full every month heaps of savings in the bank mm-hmm. just no problems whatsoever they've come to their appointment prepared they've got all the documentation we can get an application lodged credit assessors don't ask any questions it's mm-hmm. approved on the spot happy days done is yeah. that almost too easy though does that kind of come across as like hmm, too squeaky clean no no, no. not necessarily <laughs> 
Good to know. Well, I guess that, but that, that just sounds like a dreamland to uh, me. Like, yeah. are we really talking? This person exists, <laughs> yeah. or is this just what <laughs> it exists? Maybe, maybe once a year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I mean that key word that you just said there was preparation, yeah. and I think that's really what this whole thing is about. Is it? You know, on on your day one, you don't have you're not flying blind. Don't do it alone. Speak to you know, get a team around you that's going to give you advice, and then just do what they say. Yeah. You know, it's like if if you're asking for this, get that information to you because it's going to make that process of purchasing a property much easier. If, if, if you have all the information that you need. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. I think that's a uh, perfect place to uh, wrap all this up. That was a really good uh, summary there. And, and thank you heaps, Andrew, for coming in. Uh, whereabouts can people find you or, or, or look you up if, they, if they're interested in brokerage? If, uh, if you jump on the web and search for Rams Tasmania, uh, my profile will come straight up on there. Not a problem. We'll link, uh, link your info in the show notes and, and put uh, everything in there. But thank you so much for coming Thanks in. Thanks for having me, guys. Not awesome. A, cheers. Nah, pretty, really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, I'll, uh, I'll thank see you, you at much. the bus mall. Very soon. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> we'll, have a, right. we'll have a little reunion tour. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Not a problem. Thanks for that, mate. Thanks, boys, for being part of the Property Pod this week. John, you've uh, you've bought in a ripper. Awesome. No, no pleasure, guys. And uh, shout out to all our crew at the start, Mr. Wojcik and Killer. He'll know who he is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, no uh, problem. All right, gang. All Good right. to see you. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at mcgregorfm.com.